Hey guys, so I want to talk about maintaining a profitable business. And when I mean profitable, it's uh, I also mean a successful business, which includes you as a photographer being happy. Um, I understand that a lot of you are working um, crazy hours, and some some uh, posts I've I've heard people working like. 15, 18 hours a day, and not having enough time for the kids, and you know, no, I think no success can ever take away um, your own personal time and family time. That's that's just way too much. I mean, I think no matter how busy it gets, you should have at least two days of uh, full, complete days where you can spend with your family or just on yourself if you're not uh, married and have children. So. Um, you know, it's it's uh, important to be able to set up a work environment um, that allows you to do so. And um, the first thing I want to talk about is: Are you treating your business like any other business? And that, by that I mean, the profits are the most important thing in the business because without it, I, I'm not trying to sound like Uncle Scrooge here, but without a profitable business, um, it won't last long. And by saying, you know, are you making enough profit? You also have to include the fact: Are you also making a good salary? Um, I I know a few photographers that, you know, they've been doing this for quite a few, a few years, and like with some even more than 10 years and when they spoke to me and told me how much they were making I was really shocked because you know if you divide up the hours to the amount of money they were making um, they were just really making a little bit more than minimum wage because we as photographers we spend a lot of time on the marketing aspects on post editing um, on you know just training and, and and so forth and I think a lot of people neglect that and and they they don't they don't include that as part of their cost of business but it, in theory it is because I mean if you operated a company and your staff had to be trained they would be training on your hours they won't be training on their you know their their own time so you're no different you're you're an employee of your own company so if you decided to do like a four-day workshop that's part of your operation operating cost if you decide to even go up you know to 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 spend money and spend the time to on a uh, Mike Kelly um, tutorial, that's expense, and also that's time that should be expensed on your company. Um, apart from that, uh, I, I will f- further elaborate a little bit on that. But uh, I think another big, big issue is the um, the GAS, the Gear a- uh, Acquisition Syndrome, uh, something like that, right? Uh, uh, and I think a lot of us have to have this problem, and I and I I admit it. I I used to be crazy about buying like photography gear, and I have a buddy now that's thinking about getting into RE. And the first thing I t- told him is, you know, s- figure out a startup cost that is very honest and stick to it for the next year or two 
and don't ever upgrade or buy new things unless one it's not repairable two it actually does something to improve your income um because nine out of ten times i can tell you this like an a an upgrade to your existing gear really has no attraction to your client i mean how let's just think about it like if you're shooting on 24 megapixel camera and then all of a sudden you upgrade to a 36 megapixel camera uh, with maybe like some fancy autofocus features or whatever uh how many of your clients uh, especially in re how many of your clients are going to notice that probably none so which is also comes to a little point of mine is like i i never really care about upgrading my camera bodies unless you know i know there's you know a, a bit of time has been on it and i want to get a new body before you know the shutter breaks down on me or whatever but that's like uh, modern cameras today easily 500,000 shutter count and i do probably about 150 a year so basically a, a good like a good camera body will last me easily three to four years before i consider um getting an an, an upgrade or or, or a trade-in um, that's the other thing too is you know a lot of people don't consider buying secondhand cameras for for their work and you know I've spoken to photographers where, which were like oh I never buy secondhand because uh, you know I don't like it when you know people use my stuff but then again it's okay for them to rent certain things <laughs> so like I don't really understand the you know the values behind that but the thing is that um, I, th- I think it's actually very smart to buy secondhand, um, especially with um, camera bodies and lenses. Um, not so sure about lights, but um, I think with camera bodies and lenses, and if you're purely doing it on, if you're more on the business side of things, it's actually more, um, it's, 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 it's smarter to buy secondhand, as long as you know what you're buying. Um, you know, because it's electronics they depreciate and like you know if i if i bought i want to raise an example for all canon users and if i bought a 60 mark one and a um 24 105 or let's just no sorry at a 1740 millimeter lens and just decided to do re at the moment which is probably you know a good starting point in terms of gear and and we're not talking about lights at the moment just strictly the lens and the body um and one year down the road i decided that i needed an upgrade or that i decided to quit somehow and i wanted to sell these things um I would have lost a lot less money in terms of the 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 trade in or selling of the equipment than I would with brand new equipment. And I think at the end of the day, if it's purely for your business, who cares? Um, you know, if you were bringing up the if you're using it personally and bring it out to holidays with your family whatever yeah maybe you know getting something that's nicer uh more fashionable like a leica or whatever that that's you know i i i i can i i can understand that and i i wouldn't i wouldn't critique that but i think it's like 
when it, when when you know for certain that the the gear is in very good condition and it hasn't been beaten up and you know that you can get another three to four years out of it easily and that you're probably going to use use it for half of that um why not take the second hand gear and I, I think at the end, it's how you can maintain this business with the most minimal cost. Um, I'm not saying that I'm an expert at this, but I've learned to be a lot smarter. Um, right now, I mean, my, my, when it comes to buying things, the first thing that comes to mind is, okay, if it's not going to generate more income for me and if my clients won't see the difference that they will prefer my service over another photographer i'm not gonna i'm not gonna get that oh sorry and, and a third uh because I, I i live in a big city and often when we're traveling to um to our clients we may not be traveling by vehicle and sometimes that we just use public transport but uh so the 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 weight of things are important too but um, quite frankly, you know, a lot of the camera developers now always try to attract you and say, oh, it's a, you know, like, for example, Canon RP, it's only 500 grams. Yeah, but once you have a TS lens on that, and then you have, like, I use a TSC um, bracket, and, um, you know, and you have a, 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 a gear head and a tripod, that, you know, that... The less weight you, you 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 from the RP is really not that significant from a 5D Mark IV. Uh, sorry once again because I I'm I mainly use a Canon, so I'm always referring to Canon cameras. But you know, but you get to drift. Um, I think there are things that do make a significant difference. Like for example, I'm actually thinking about uh, replacing all my lights for the new. Um, carbon fiber stands by Fotex um, and this is really mainly for my uh, 50-ish year old assistant who uh, I, I mean he works really hard he never, never complains but I know sometimes the gear I make him ca carry is quite heavy and um, you know it, it for me it's important that you treat the people you work well as well because you know at the end of the day if they're happy you'll be happy and if you're happy they'll be happy you know it's 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 contagious so i always try to make sure that you know they're not left out and just because they're getting paid for the work doesn't mean that you know it, ha it has to be harder than it uh, than it has to um the other thing i want to talk about is how much you value your time and this was actually the first thing that came about uh, before I started to change things on how, how I operated my business around two, two, two to three years ago. And, well, you know, I, I started to look back when I was a teenager and I worked at this pizza place for like, I think it was six or seven bucks an hour. And uh, so you can kind of guess how old I am. But, but basically... Um, you know, when you're working at a low-end job like that, you're practically bringing nothing to work and you're leaving without any baggage. And what I mean by that is, you know, you're not going home thinking about, you know, whether or not that dough has proven and, you know, or whether or not you have defrosted the cheese or whatever, you know, who cares, right? Um, 
that problem is tomorrow's problem. But with we as photographers, we often bring a lot of baggage home. And so it go, this goes back to what I was talking about, about before about how much time you're spending.、Um, you know, we got as we get older, and you know, a lot of you guys have families and kids. The, that time is actually more valuable. And if you're still selling it the same price as you know you did when you were 14 or 15 at your part-time job, you know, and I'm being a little bit extreme here, but. Then there's a problem, and you know if you think about it, photography in any sense, if you're doing commercial photography, meaning that you're 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 a professional photography where you're getting paid to do the job, is no different from any other professional skill. You know, is your plumber charging you twenty bucks an hour?、Mm, I don't think so.、Um, you know, just the other day, my friend who owns a restaurant business and he has.、Um, Pizza stove was broken, and the guy that came charged him four hours because you know from from his location、um, to the shop, and you know his his quick evaluation of the problem or whatever. He didn't even fix it, by the way. But you know it took him around four hours back and forth from 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 where he was located, and、um, and the bill was about three hundred twenty U.S. dollars. And you know, I was kind of wow. I was kind of shocked. I was like, wow, three hundred twenty dollars just for a quotation. And but he wasn't because he he's used to that kind of thing. And you know, but could you imagine if we as photographers went up to a client saying that, oh, you're going to build for my quick、uh, walk around your lot, and you know, for my、uh, my quick quotation on how much to shoot your home. You know that's not going to happen because they expect to only pay for the the end product. So for a lot of us, that is either charging by、um, by the image or、uh, per hour. We really got to keep this in mind because a lot of the things that we do,、um, re- whether you go on a site recce or meetings with a client, I mean, sure, maybe. We can't bill a client for meeting them up at a Starbucks and discussing about a certain project, but you got to include that once you get the job done and you're giving them a final estimate or quotation, or whatever. And、um, and if you're not doing that, that I mean that you can't. That doesn't have a direct effect on your business, but it will have an effect on your business. Um. The other thing I want to talk about is,、um, oh well, the other thing is also if you're struggling、um, to get business and、um, or get sufficient business to maintain、uh, your a profitable company, there can be a few things.、Um, firstly, don't ever think that you're charging too much, and you might be. <laughs> Um, but the thing is, I mean, I used to have a rate that was I thought it was really, really reasonable.、Um, and when I wasn't getting enough business, I started to think, oh well, maybe I'm charging too much, and people are、um, going elsewhere. But 
I didn't realize it was more an issue that I wasn't that focused because I used to do all sorts of photography, whether it's like you know events, food photography, um, interiors,、uh, product photography. But now I just focus nailed like I narrowed it down to just still life and interiors、uh, mainly.、Um, and once I did that, the business started to come back. Because people actually kind of、uh, they realized what I was doing, and that's important. Because if they don't know what kind of photographer you are, they're not going to go hire a photographer that is not known for something. So being focused and、uh, to be honest, if you can afford to do so,、um, just stick with one genre. Like if.、Uh, To be frank, if I could, if I had a choice, I would probably、um, do interiors as my first priority, which is like my current passion for photography. But the thing is, I've accumulated so many、um, customers from previous years, from the last fifteen years, doing a lot of still life and brand product photography. I, for me to say to tell them, hey guys, I'm not going to do your business anymore. I、uh, can't service you anymore. It will be quite a big loss. So I know, like, it, in the long run, this is probably what's going to happen, and I'm I am going to shift over to interiors and less of the、um, the、uh, brand product photography. But in the meanwhile, I'm kind of juggle, juggling in between. But I think for any photographer that's planning to either switch or start a, a RE or interior photography business.、Um, Do have this in mind. Stay focused, and being focused allows your identifies your service clearly to the customer.、Um, the other thing that might be a factor is you're simply maybe not that skilled yet. And、um, this was earlier in my photography days. I. You know, because I'm a self-taught photographer, I, I learned a lot about filmmaking in university, but I、um, I never went to photography、uh, official photography school or training, and and I wasn't、um, I never worked for a photographer, so everything that、um, I know today, I either、um, in the early days I kind of picked up. Um, just from you know reading books or、uh, you know learning on the job, which is not a good idea. And、um, later on, when you know the internet started to be a very good resource, I、uh, I picked up a lot of things from internet. You know, from people like Mike Kelly, who is a who is very generous in teaching people, and um, um, and people like him and. Kenzie, you know, they're just great, great teachers. Or, or Rich Baum, you know, if you're into interiors, they're all like really, really good teachers.、Um, but anyhow, so the thing is, when I first started, I remember a little story. And if you don't don't got,、uh, don't mind me ramble a little bit,、um, I remember I had a client, and I don't mean to get into a racial <laughs>、um, stereotype, but he was a French client, and. The reason why I want to single him out as a French client is I actually have a lot of respect for French clients because I think they have a very high standard of,、um, you know, of quality. And I remember I shot for him, and I thought, which I thought were great photographs, and he messaged me, 
and he says your photographs are terrible you're just a guy with a fancy camera you know i i can't i, I will i would never hire you again and basically that's what he said he didn't say that exactly but because he didn't hire me he, you know, his 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 comp uh, a, a manager from his company hired me and he was the manager uh, of another department and anyway so that's how he evaluated me and my heart is broken you know like you know, the moment you hear something like that especially when you first started there's a big jump from you know being kind of talented in in as a hobby and then you know all of a sudden people are telling you hey you can make an income out of it you know i'll pay you for for your work um that's a big leap in in how you see yourself as uh, with photography skills and sometimes that you know that that kind of ego can blind you right and so anyhow that that um clients slap reality in my face you know if you're gonna make money out of this um hobby of yours you better be really good at it you you better be you, you better be better than what you're charging um and you know by me by what i mean by this is not to say that you should be undercharging and if you know me i never tell anyone to undervalue their work but what i mean is that people should always never value your, your work for the price you're charging because they're so satisfied with with the work you've given given and of course you know you always have to be quite honest about that too you know for this type of work this is a fair amount for not just my time not just for my labor but also for my experience and all the skills that i've learned throughout the years um so anyhow um i think one issues is i do see with a lot of photographers where they may not be quite at that point but they're charging quite a bit and i mean that's not actually a big problem but with some photographers that might be a problem and if it is don't worry about it i mean what i would do is step back um, revise your prices a little and just be a little bit more humble when you're coming to certain big time clients like for example if you haven't shot um advertising for for a, a multinational company and you're you're coming from um you know a lot of um local uh, developers or re work um maybe um you know just be honest about it and um being honest about what your where your level is at um also makes your client understand hey we're giving this guy a chance and he has a lot of passion and potential and uh you know because a lot of time people like to work with uh, new people and they like to work with people with a strong passion for things and sometimes like very experienced people give this kind of i and i'm not saying everyone has this kind of mentality but sometimes they give this kind of feeling to a lot of clients where they they've done it so many times that they lost this kind of spark to it but and then a lot of companies are always saying hey there's a new guy he's pretty good you want to give him a try and then um but anyhow so the, the thing is the moment i came to accept that i wasn't as good as i thought it was um this was back like maybe eight years ago i i i often i i still do it do it today i often take a photo of mine 
and then I compare it to something I see in an editorial or advertising or a great photographer, maybe even from a post in one of these uh, um, forums. And um, I would say um, not necessarily if mine, my photo is better than theirs, but whether it's capable of a fair com- competition. And the reason why I don't like to say, oh, is my photo better than, you know, who, whoever's is, you know, it, it, because photography is subjective. So, uh, and wh- what I'm looking for is an actually a better photo, but I'm talking about, am I be able to illustrate what the client wants in the photo, just like this guy has? And, um, and the, you know, the fact that photography is subjective is also going to be the, the key point in your success. Don't sell a photography, don't sell your photography because it looks like what Mike Kelly is producing. Learn from Mike Kelly to produce photography that has your signature on it because at the end of the day the so-called the monopoly to your success is due to that characteristic that single element because all the business aspects all the technical aspects all the gear and whatever that can be purchased that can someone can copy you and how you run your business whatever but that personal style will always be uniquely yours and you will always be the first to to show off a new uh, technique or a new personal style of yours to your client and people will only just follow you um so it's really important to keep that personal style and that is also one of the elements to a profitable business um the other thing i want to talk about is um i've noticed you know a lot of photographers you know they always talk about how many um homes they're doing a week and so forth and it's and you know I'm, i'm very happy for them because like some of them are just great great numbers like i've heard from one that where they're doing like 80 homes a week i i don't even do like five homes in two weeks um but of course i mean there's everyone has their way of doing business and i'm not here to judge that but i just think if if you're if you're set out to be a professional photographer um being happy in the long run is very important having your own time apart from the time you spent in this passion of yours as a professional photographer is important um and don't compare yourself to other photographers one of the things that you know as i posted previously is that just because that guy's doing 80 homes a week might not necessarily mean he's doing better than some guy that's doing one home a, a week um you know i can i can say that I, i probably have more clients than mike kelly but i can you know i can modestly say for sure mike kelly is much more successful than i am he you know he has a higher quality of clients he's able to do 
the photography that he's very passionate about for and you know he's willing to showcase in his portfolio like nine out of ten times for me 80 percent of the work i do is not in my portfolio because it's not you know the most stunning homes or the greatest product i i want my uh, um, my future clients to see me doing um, so you know that success is not just about profit it's also about you know what type of clients you're able to attract and what you know and percentage of your time how how much of your time is targeted to the clients that you're aiming at and how much are just really you know the pay for 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 the paycheck um at the moment honestly i'm doing like 2080 which means like 20 percent of my clients are clients that i want to i want their photos in my portfolio i want people to know me for and 80 percent of the time are just really to pay my bills um you know of course it can be worse but in the long run you're always trying to improve that ratio um so anyways i think i've spoken quite (laughs) quite a bit and i'm sorry i mean i'm not that good at uh public speaking (laughs) um but i hope i wanted to just bring out some of these points because um often you know i work with a lot of new photographers and you know whenever we're out for uh, a few a few or out for a bite or for a few drinks they would have these issues and they want to talk about it and um you know it's it's not first of all it, it's like any business it's difficult and i think that if you don't want to spend the time or you don't want to be stressed out on, on the business side of things um do it as an amateur and there's nothing wrong with being an amateur i know a lot of people that have you know they're like it specialists or whatever and then they do like photography on the side and it's actually you know actually most RE photographers probably know a lot of people who are um, agents and and uh, realtors and and they do photography on the side and you know that's 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 cool um but being a especially with professional photography which is considered kind of artsy in a way it's it's never easy um but i think you know if you are focused enough and you um you're smart enough to to price yourself in 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 a way that you know you can you can you don't overwork yourself and you don't spend all the money you make on gear it's definitely a um manageable business and a profitable one uh, no matter where you are because i i I think you know a lot of people uh, because i started out first when you know film was still a big thing and um when digital came along a lot of people were saying oh okay now we can't you know that it's killing our industry but to be frank i i don't see it that way because look at the need for photography work it has increased it hasn't decreased sure the value of of um the photography work is maybe not as valuable as before but the turnover is definitely a lot higher um 
but you know, there's other ways to provide more value to your customers where you can increase the overall value of your service. So I'll, I might get into that another day because I know I've been speaking for quite a while, but I just wanted to bring some, some of these points. And um, you know, if, if you guys have any opinions and suggestions, uh, feel free to add on and or comment in the, in the link. Um, I hope it was useful. Um, and if you know, feel free to shoot me a personal message too. I just uh, you can find my um, IG at uh, Paperfish Photo, um, and the icons of the little uh, commercial building I shot for uh, um, uh, the Hong Kong developer. And um, yeah, I'm always available for a chat if anyone wants to uh, make conversation. Um, I know I, I I love my work, so and I know it sounds kind of corny, but you know I always make time to kind of share what I can and also learn from you guys too because I think that you know photography, like anything else in the world, is something that you know you you never stop learning, um, not just because of. To technology, but because of the way that it is an art, and there's so many ways you can approach it. So um, yeah, thank you for listening. And if you have any questions, feel free to shoot me a personal message. Hey guys, so thanks to the wonderful feedback I got in the last podcast and in today's podcast, I want to talk a, bit, a little bit more about spending. And um, I realized the last podcast was quite, was quite long, so I'm going to try to keep it brief. And like always, if you have any opinions or suggestions of your own, please feel free to either leave, leave me a comment or um, even message me um, on my Facebook or Instagram. Um, and you can find me on my Instagram on uh, Paperfish Photo. Um, so, uh, one of the things I want to talk about is how you can uh, protect your investment, which is important because you spend a lot of money on, on, on your business and, and in, in your gear, right? So, uh, a lot of photographers have that mentality of like, oh, I don't need to protect my gear because I use it and, you know, things are going to get scratched up. And that's true, but I think it's important to, to try to protect it as much as you can because, you know, uh, first of all, you don't want uh, things to get damaged and you know and and it's going to affect your workflow and because you need to bring it in for repair um, and secondly because there's a very high chance um, that you'll be reselling it and you want to resell your equipment um, you know in, in fairly good quality so you can get more money for it so um Two things I usually buy when I first buy cameras. Um, one is the the um, silicone silicone skin, uh, which is basically like a uh, camera protection uh, with silicone um, wrap that protects your uh, camera body. Um, and uh, the other thing is a screen protector. Yeah, I think we all know what a screen protector is. Basically, just a plastic film that goes on top of the LCD displays, um, you know, for to avoid from scratching and so forth. Um, 
I think with the silicone skin, I think it's uh, it's it's a very worthwhile investment. I've been using it since like the 5D Mark IIs. Uh, I'm a Canon user once again, so sorry. I like often refer to Canon cameras, uh, but they make it for all sorts of uh, all, all all brands now. And the other thing, good thing about a silicone cover is that. Um, you, you have better grip when your when your camera has a silicone cover on, and I know some people have uh, worry about these covers. You know, um, adding on to the overheating. Um, I've I have one for the A6500, which is kind of known for overheating issues. I've never had an overheating issue. Um, I, I I never had an overheating issue with the four Canon cameras that I have purchased um, these uh, easy covers, for, uh, sorry, the silicone um, covers for. Um, and with that said, there are uh, various brands. If you're, if you want to get the like the original silicone cover, there's a brand called the Easy Cover that make really high quality silicone covers for ca- um, all sorts of cameras, but you will find online a lot of um, Chinese manufacturers that make them too, and they're just a fraction of the price. And actually, I prefer the Chinese manufactured silicone covers because they're a little thinner, and it's just uh, more convenient to use with uh, accessories and things like the L brackets and so forth. But you know, um, do check those out, and and I strongly recommend that your new next on your next camera purchase that you buy. A silicone cover for your camera. Um, the next thing that I bought is something I purchased recently and I, I love is the USB dummy batteries, and they make um, I, I they make these USB dummy batteries for majority of the cameras out there right now. Like if you have a popular camera, they most likely have one for it. And basically, what that is is a U- dummy battery that ha- and then on the other end you can attach a um, USB cord which plugs into a um, the uh, a USB power bank so rather than using um, your camera battery you, you're powering your camera from a USB power bank and uh, at first I was kind of skeptical to whether or not these things work well um, and quite frankly I've had a problem it's uh, uh, mind you though because the uh, the camera makers don't make this as an official accessory, so they're not going to recommend you using it. And also, um, they uh, and also you're going to be buying from most likely online sellers and manufacturers that sell them online. So, um, you know, it's uh, I can't really say which one works best because there isn't a, a brand um i've noticed like the one that i use and my the one that my friend uses doesn't look the same so but you know so far we haven't had any uh problems with this usb dummy batteries but you know all it has is brought convenience to my workflow and especially i mean before i was using this usb dummy battery i used to bring like 10 to 12 um, batteries uh to a shoot and now i just bring like maybe two or three as a backup and then i primarily use this usb battery um mind you you could also use the dummy battery with the ac adapter which 
um, for example, Canon makes one for Canon cameras, but you know, I find, I mean, I have that as well, and I, I, I don't find it as useful because the only time I would use something like that is when I'm in the studio. And whenever I'm on location, or um, you know, just uh, the USB um, dummy battery is so, so much more convenient. Like for example, if you power your camera with like a twenty mil, a twenty thousand milliamp um, USB power bank, it will last you for like six, seven hours, like on live view. That's crazy. And uh, you know, meanwhile, like with batteries, I easily use up like ten batteries already with that time. So, and you know, just imagine not having to charge so many batteries before a shoot. You know, so, and they're not expensive.、Um, I bought mine for, I think it was like, twelve or fifteen dollars. Yeah. Or not,、um, mind you, I, I get most of my stuff off of Taobao, which is like it, in Asia. That's like the Chinese Amazon, and and also because I'm in Asia, so the shipping isn't that expensive. But you guys should check out Taobao, which is、um, there's like a Taobao International. But apparently, my friends told me that the shipping on Taobao International is quite expensive.、Um, because they use AliExpress or something like that.、Um, the thing is, if you can find,、uh, if you have friends that are all constantly traveling to Asia or whatever, you know, buying from Taobao is so cheap.、Um, you know, like it, it, once you. Bought something from Taobao, you'll never buy anything from Amazon. And Taobao is ba- basically Alibaba, and、um, which is like the biggest a-、um, online seller in Asia.、Um, and they have a lot of like you know、um, really cheap、uh, things. You know, they're not just camera stuff, but. Everything,、um, and mind you, though a lot of these things are knockoffs too. And but like like for example, the camera, sk- the silicone skin. But you know, on certain items, I don't really mind that it's a knockoff as long as it, you know, has it, it works just the same. And obviously, with things like that. Uh, it's 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 a bit of a you know you 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 will have to try it out to find out but、um, I just have that kind of、um, policy with when it comes to online、um, purchases especially with、um, Chinese products like if it's anything. Um, electronic or something that's like you know an ex- expensive ex- accessories. I usually go and purchase the brand product, and then if it's not an important accessory or something that's not electronic,、um, then I will consider buying the、uh, Chinese knockoff or Chinese manufactured product.、Uh, but anyhow, so that, that, that's just me, and it's up to you. But you know, you go ahead if you want, if you feel better buying the easy cover. For, let's just say and. You know, it, there's, it's still a really good item.、Um, it's just a little bit more expensive. That's all.、Um, so the next thing I want to talk about is just、um, you know getting good filters.、Uh, don't bother buying cheaper filters for your lenses because you'll just end up wanting the better filters in the future. Like even if you don't find that a nece-、uh, necessity now, you'll end up wanting more,、uh, better filters because as you get better in your photography, you'll notice. That oh you know things like、um, 
um, the the color tints that, that you get from um, that the inferior filters, like for example, in polarizers or in ND filters, um, kind of a pain to get rid of in post, and and so you may want um, you know to spend a little bit more money on filters. And I think with filters, you know, uh, a, a little tip is I usually buy something that's big, like an 82 millimeter, and then I just use step down rings um, so that it can fit all sorts of lenses. Um, and also, I think the other thing too is a lot of people have UV filters, which is really just to protect your lens from, um, you know, the, the primary use for a UV filter is just really from for protection. But if you use a, for example, um, I have a 24 millimeter tilt shift and a 100 millimeter macro lens where uh, I don't use a UV filter and instead I have a polarizer on it permanently uh, because um, these lenses use it uh, for me, I use a polarizer on them quite often. So I just leave the polarizer on and this way you don't really need the UV filter on there for protection anyways. So um, yeah, that's another option. Um, yeah, so yeah, get a UV filter, get a decent one, and how do you know if it's decent? Just go up on like websites like, <clears throat> like, um, BH or Adorama or even on Amazon. Uh, but I, I, I find the reviews on BH to be, uh, much better and, uh, and or, or Adorama, I should say, because like uh, Amazon, it, I'm not too sure. Some of the, the reviews, I, I, I'm not saying they're fake or whatever, but it's just that you don't know, really know um you know who's writing them and they may be just new to photography and with bnh i think a lot of the reviews or comments made are from you know uh, people with a lot of experience and so um you know what they say is tends to be a little bit more accurate um, so another uh, thing I want to talk about is just I want to isolate and talk about one particular item, which is the loop deck. Um, I don't know if anyone is familiar with what a loop deck is. It's basically a little panel that um, um, you could. There's a lot of uh, knobs that you can uh, use to adjust and uh, your edits in Lightroom. And at first, I was really excited about the loop deck and but you know the more i found out about it and when the product came out i gave it a try at the at the shop i just think it's more of a novelty item um it's not very expensive i believe it's like i think it's less than 200 dollars. but um well at least loop deck one was i'm not sure about the loop deck two and it does allow you to program a few keys in there but i think for most of you that are doing a lot primarily a lot of the, your editing on uh, in lightroom i don't think the loop deck can really speed up your process um i've heard from wedding photographers that they say it's it's faster for them but you know if you're not doing uh, i and i'm not sure how but if you're not doing weddings uh, and you're just doing like primarily primarily re and interiors um and product photography like i am i don't see how this uh, loop deck product can 
speed speed up your workflow um you know because most of us that when you're in lightroom um we use the copy and paste settings or the synchronization settings most uh, mostly anyways so uh, or the batch edits settings right so uh yeah and then if you're editing in photoshop like i do um there's actually like better um loop deck type of products where you can program a lot of keys um and, and shortcuts into into the device and i think the loop deck is just like in between um you know it it, it doesn't allow to you to program like i think like 10 10 buttons but you know that's not a lot for photoshop but um for for lightroom it's kind of useless too so i i would stay away from a product like that um especially uh, especially if you're doing re because i don't think that's uh, useful at all so and you know you might as well save your money for, for an, a, a, a new lens or something you know um so another thing i want to talk about is once again i want to talk about buying second hand equipment and um a lot of photographers are against that and you know a lot of people i I can understand some people don't like the fact that their lens their lenses have been used or or their equipment in general have been used by somebody else and they don't know whether or not they've treated the equipment well and they're kind of um concerned about you know the whether or not uh, the 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 second equi- second hand equipment can last as long as you know the brand new equipment. Um, the thing is, you you know, like buying brand new equipment, you you should you need to know about the gear that you're buying and what to look for. Um, as long as you know what to look for, and also you know, as long as you can tell that it's in fairly good shape. Um, you shouldn't have a big problem. I mean, obviously, if you see a big dent in your lens or, you know, a big piece of paint chipped from your camera body, then most likely they've, they've dropped it, right? And, you know, you and most likely you're going to test things like um, with lenses, right? If, if, if you can't seem to get the focus right or um, the, the focus ring feels kind of weird, you know, that those are all signs that 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 lens is not a um it's most likely a lemon so uh yeah just you know you need to know what you're looking for but in general i support buying secondhand equipment because i also always consider buying secondhand equipment similar to um buying hockey equipment for your kids um you know it's it in in our profession um we go through quite a lot of gear just like kids do when they play hockey and you know it's you save a lot more money by buying secondhand and not necessarily our secondhand um gonna be um you know will will that affect the quality of your service right um sometimes with certain gear the technology passed by so fast um you know you won't be able to sometimes i've realized that there are certain features on a on a new piece of equipment that i haven't used and i'm already 
posting the item on sale online um, for a trade-in or an upgrade, you know. So it's I, I wouldn't be too caught up about buying brand new equipment or falling in love with your equipment in general is a big no-no for the photography business. Um, it's because like we go through a lot of equipment and you're most likely going to get something new to replace it in, in, in a couple of years. So don't worry about um you know whether or not uh the second equipment will last or whatever because most likely they will first of all i think um you know it, buy from reputable um um, secondhand shops um, don't buy from someone online that doesn't have a good sales record and or buy from you know fellow photographers that you know they that keep their equipment very well i mean if if you buy if you if you're buying from a friend or a fellow photographer and then you can see you know them treating their equipment very poorly then that's most likely a good sign that they're not someone that you should buy off of right so yeah but other than that i would definitely go with um buying secondhand when you can um it's just that you know you 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 avoid a lot of uh, loss from uh, depreciation and you know cameras depreciate very quickly it's a little better with lenses but with camera bodies they drop very quickly um and also like the other thing with um Oh, sorry. I mean, uh, I wanted to go on about quality of the equipment too. It's um, uh, it's it's very important that um, you you target and and or, or or you decide to go with quality over the price too, because, um, for example, um with the tilt shift lenses i mean there's there's not a lot of options out there but um the rokinon makes a 24 millimeter tilt shift and it's a lot cheaper than the canon 24 millimeter tilt shift but if you use the rokinon the rokinon is quite terrible and in terms of uh, the, the image quality is okay but um the, the the shift knobs um, or the tilt knobs um, are very hard are, are very difficult to adjust and also not to mention that you feel the lens kind of nudge a bit at times and it's just things like that you want you don't want to bother with when you're on a shoot and the thing is you know, try selling a Rokinon afterwards. You're gonna have a very hard time. It, like I always tell uh, fellow photographers that are trying or deciding to go with a cheaper option, is that you're gonna have a harder time selling that. Um, you know, with, like that example I just raised. If you bought a 24 millimeter tilt shift and you, you ended up you know deciding oh i need a 17 or whatever and you didn't want to keep it and you want and 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 and, and try to sell it you you'd sell it easily as long as it's still in good shape and so forth but you know trying to sell something like a rokinon is is hard like i've tried before actually i had i used to have a, a rokinon uh, 14 millimeter and it was really cheap it was really sharp and when i post tried to post it to um um online for a uh, 
for sale it nobody no one was interested because the, the, the lens itself is so cheap to, to begin with there's really no point of buying the second hand and um, and also not to mention with the 14 millimeters there's so many better options too and you know come like if, if i had to make the decision again i'd probably like go with a canon 14 millimeter or something else like um rather than the rokinon um so yeah so consider that when you're deciding between quality and price uh, quality will always not only give you better images but also be a lot um well, how should I say? Like, will be more or less will be more or less stress free when it comes to getting rid of the lens later on. Um, yeah. So uh, apart from that, oh, uh, so I wanted to go on and talk about buying lighting equipment, which has been quite a popular topic in in a lot of forums lately um as you know a lot of people are using the godox system and then uh, we have also a lot of people using speed lights too which is fine and then um we also have like higher end users that use systems like the Profoto b10s or uh, or even like the Profoto air systems now i'm not gonna argue and say I use both actually. I use the Godox system when I'm on location, and then I use the uh, Profoto D1 in in studio. And I'm not gonna say the Godox are better lights or the Profotos are better lights. Um, I am gonna what I am gonna say is the Godox are a lot cheaper, and quality wise really depends on what you're doing um if you're doing re i don't think you're gonna find a big difference between the godox or with a Profoto. um each has its strength and each has its weaknesses um i would definitely like for me i would go with the godox because of the fact that it's cheaper and i could afford to buy background backup lens uh, sorry backup lights or just extra lights to have on hand which is for me it will be more um practical and also the fact that because it's not that expensive i'm not going to worry about damages as much whereas photo not only are the lights expensive the accessories are very very expensive and if you're using anything with a battery pack you're gonna have to buy extra batteries and the batteries are very expensive as well um some people argue and say oh well Profoto is more consistent in terms of the power output and the lights i'm just going to tell you from my personal experience and that's not the case um maybe it's also because of the fact that my d1s that i use in the studio aren't that new but um i've had power inconsistency issues with Profoto d1s as well and maybe it's time to bring it back to the shop um i'm not gonna say that that's the case for all Profotos because obviously i haven't used um, enough to make that judgment um but in terms of the color inconsistencies i can tell you that it's actually worse than um certain godox lights um i have a set of um godox um 8600 pros which has the uh, color temperature um, consistency mode and with that on it it's actually better than Profoto, um and that is very important actually if you're 
um, it's not so with RD, but if you're doing things like product photography um, or fashion photography where you're doing a lot of like burst shooting or uh, focus stacking, um, you want to have the colors and power as, uh, uh, as, as consistent as possible because otherwise you're going to have spend a lot of time tweaking the, these uh, photos, right? So, um, the, the other thing, oh, I mean, and there, there are good things about, you know, going with the Profoto system as well. I mean, I do think their, um, their menu system is, is, is not as complicated. And, um, also the quality overall, the quality is a bit higher, like the feel of it, the actual physical feel of it is actually higher. Um, so the thing, the other thing too, is like, it, it depends on the client you're doing, right? I mean, so you're servicing, right? So like if you're servicing a RE interiors um, client for a um, real estate um, broker or a, um, or a, a agent, right? Um, I, I don't think, you know, if there's anything wrong with using a Godox system and there's really definitely no need to go with a Profoto. Uh, but if you're doing, if you're servicing a advertising client or, you know, just a high end client, um, you may want to use something like a Profoto or a brown colored light and not because they're, you know, brand name lights and they make you look good. Right. But because of the fact that they're less prone to maybe, um, errors and, and you know, less likely to break down. Um, I have heard, uh, from a lot of Godox users that, you know, especially the 8200s at certain times that an error message will pop up and so forth. Um, but mind you this, I hear more problems with the Godox system because more people use the Godox system. I mean, how many of you are actually buying Profoto lights to shoot RE? I mean, it's a lot of overkill, really. Um, not in terms of the power, but in terms of the price. And unless you're making you know i'm just i'm just ballparking it here but i think unless you're making more than two hundred thousand dollars a year um on your photography i would not even consider um you know buying photo lights or brown color lights uh it's just not economically worth it but that's just me um you know most of the advertising photographers uh do use profoto or brown color lights and that's because especially brown color actually out of the these high-end lights i think brown color actually makes the the best lights in terms of color consistency and so forth um and that's why a lot of advertising photographers use it because with advertising clients um we need to make sure you know the colors and everything is just you know um is just right and there's no room for inaccuracies and so forth so it's important to use um, the high-end um, lights for, for jobs like that. Um, the other thing which this leads to is the um, is megapixels. I mean, 
I see a lot of people, you know, going up to you with the 50 megapixels, like the 5 DSRs, and um, or even the newer uh, Fuji GFX 50Rs, which is 50 megapixel cameras, and some are already talking about the 100 megapixel uh, Fuji that's coming out. And it's true, in general, you want to, the more megapixel you have, the better. Um, but the thing is, it also depends on what you're, who you're shooting for. Once again, I mean, if you're shooting R8, forget it. I mean, anything above 16 megapixels is, is good enough. Um, if you're shooting for like a magazine or uh, for billboards for advertising, then yes, you do want something that's you know above 50 megapixels because um, if you know anything about print, uh, basically it's 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 very hungry for megapixels. I'm not going to get into that, but basically, you know, um, I was shooting for a magazine um, earlier on with a uh, 5D Mark IV and basically um i was very close to um not having sufficient um resolution uh, or megapixels for 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 a two-page spread because um if um if if you plan to shoot slightly looser and crop in um a little bit even um a 36 megapixel camera is actually just you know very close to to uh stretching it when it comes to a two-page spread so um yeah if you're if you're shooting for magazines or for um posters or billboards then you will need something that is in the higher uh, megapixel count, especially if you're shooting for a end product that is uh, meant to be viewed at like an arm's length type of um, distance. Um, but the for, uh, but you know I'm not gonna get too much into the DPIs and whatever. But basically, if you can, in theory, you can shoot like a a billboard uh, with a 5D Mark II. Um, that's because the DPI on a, a billboard is much lower, like maybe um, 75 or even uh, 15 or 25 DPIs. So um, anyways, but if you don't understand what that is, it's you're not struggling with this problem. And most of your work, you will be fine with anything from 16 to 36 megapixels. Um, and the other thing I don't suggest on getting um, a camera with such high megapixels is because it takes it, it uses time to store um, files of that size and also it costs you more money in terms of the hard drive space and whatever um, to make uh, to to import these images to make backups to make servers um, from your backups etc etc et so um, yeah I mean like why why provide such big images or use such um, big images for your edits when your client doesn't require uh, you to to uh, use such a a 
high resolution image um, it's at the end you're just causing you're just creating a problem for yourself right so yes and then um and then the last part I want to talk about is traveling. Um, I travel quite a bit, and um, a few things that I, um, uh, you know, a little rule that I have with my me and my assistant is that um, we um, always carry all our equipment on carry-on. We never bring it up, put, um, place our equipment on cargo because there's a very big chance that things will um will break and also you know they they get tossed around and lenses and camera bodies just don't like that and the only thing that we do kind of put in cargo is probably like light stands or um you know just gear that can take a beating um the other thing is when you're working abroad I, i generally have a rule where i mean of course you're the client's really not going to have much of an opinion unless you, you know, unless you're renting a lot of equipment. Um, but basically, I try to keep everything within a, a small Pelican case. Um, it, uh, what I mean is, I want to, I, I try to keep everything in one small Pelican case worth of a fragile lighting equipment. And um, if I do find I need more than that, I I I, I don't bring it from, um, I I don't bring it abroad. I, I I just rent on location because it's just it's just not worth it. Um, the hassle you go through with declaring equipment and so forth, and especially, you know, sometimes I have to 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 shoot in China and it's a pain in the ass and. Um, it's just um it's more it's easier to rent on location and you know of course when you're doing that though uh, regardless of whether you're renting on location or um you're bringing the equipment over from your hometown um charge your customers for that because there should be a charge because you're doing so much more on top of the photography service so whether you're renting on, in location or bringing it abroad there should be some sort of extra fee added on to the invoice um, just so that um, you know you don't do too much and you're not getting reimbursed for it um, yeah so and the last thing the point I just want to make is you know the money you save or the money you um, end up not wasting, I should say, on, 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 on unnecessary uh, gear or equipment, you should really think about um, in, in the long run, if you don't already, just buying extra, uh, there's certain things that you should spend money on and that is like extra body, camera body or extra lenses. Um, you know, you don't want to be in a situation where something breaks down in the middle of a shoot and you don't have an extra body on the shoot that's 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 really bad because i can tell you this that if something like that happened and um even if you reschedule or whatever that client is never going to come back and so make sure you have like extra camera bodies and lenses um i mean if you're just starting out i know that's a very big cost um to add on to your workflow but um it's something that you should aim at 
and um, you don't need something that's you know just if you're if you have a you know a pretty good camera now you don't have, need to buy something in equivalent but maybe something that shares the same lens mount a lower model even a crop sensor uh, camera if you're using full frame so at least you have something you know just to get by and finish the shoot you know what i mean so if if anything happens that is of course um and the other thing in the long run i think for a lot of you that is um working in uh, North America and Canada, U.S. You should really find a way to, like I mentioned before, is to to see if you can start buying things from from Taobao. Um, I, I'm not in any way affiliated with Taobao, but I just think um, you'll save so much more money. And of the, but that being said, of course, only if you can find a way to ship these things back and if you have any friends that travel to asia for work or you know if you have any asian friends that kind of travel back and forth quite a bit um or you know the other thing is you know uh, tickets to asia is very cheap nowadays (laughs) and uh, jokingly as i sound but you know, make a trip to Asia. You know, plan a, a plan an annual trip to Asia, and uh, buy your gear um, and and just carry it all back. Um, but of course, you know, I, I think for a lot of you, that's probably not the first option. But if you do have know someone that's in Asia, maybe see if there's other um, shipping methods. Um, you know, and avoid the AliExpress. A method that my friend was mentioning to me which is very costly but you know if you get a chance go up on the Tabo International and just type of um, and google some of the um, uh, sorry and search some of the equipment that you are uh, familiar with and just look at the price difference it's it's really really big um, the other thing is there's also a lot of equipment that's available in Taobao which is not available in uh, on Amazon or um, uh, B&H and Adorama like for example like with the Godox with brands like Godox or with brands like Leo Photo uh, which is also an up and coming tripod brand a carbon fiber tripod brand in Asia and they make really good gearheads and really good ball heads and really light light and massively massive size carbon fiber uh, tripods and you know while i think bnh carries a few of these but they don't have the whole product range so you see that with a lot of other products too with um when you go up in taobao where there's a lot of um products that you don't see in North America. And and I think it's the same with the other, uh, with a lot of products that originate from the U.S. as well. Like, I mean, for me, it's very hard to to buy RRS products or... um, or um arca swiss products right so um yeah um but you know i think in the long run if you if 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 you tend to buy a lot of equipment do check out taobao and uh or any asian um online seller and see if there's any alternative methods to get these products over to where you're at and save yourself a lot of money
um yeah so uh, that's that's all i have to say for now and if you have any questions um you know feel free to shoot me a message um i i mean like i said i'm no expert i'm just a working photographer with some experience and hopefully um you know my experience can avoid uh you from making any uh, unnecessary purchases um and also i mean i'm not really good at <laughs> i'm not really good at public speaking so um I consider this as a form of public speaking, so um, uh, I do apologize in term when when I whenever I stumble or so forth. And uh, I know it's not it's uh, sometimes you guys have great patience, and uh, um, uh, but you know hopefully I can get better and then um, bring you more information. And oh, actually, the other thing I was talking to another uh, the other day I was talking to another photographer, and I think one of the good things things about um um me being in asia is actually i can actually um talk about a lot of the new product development with a lot of the asian brands and it's not just the chinese brands because like there's a lot of um um, japanese products and uh, korean products that are uh, coming out that has a lot of potential and uh and i think um a lot of you in the united states or in canada will will be very interested about so i'll keep you everyone up to date and and um, I will uh, make a new podcast in the uh, short time ahead. And uh, thank you for listening.